Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Jim Bard, and I'm here with Reverend Abigail Conley. And this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. So today we're taking advantage of our new skills using uh, Zoom uh, in the uh, COVID-19 era. And we're going to see if we can do a little bit better than our uh, phone audio from uh, the last episode. So um, we're going to kick things off with that. Um, we're continuing our series about um, what the Bible has to say about death. And specifically this time, we're going to talk about um, what the Bible has to say about causing the death of another person. So um, this is where we'll take a little bit of advantage of my law degree, which is rarely valuable in our uh, going through and considering the Bible. But in this case, it might help a little bit. Um, um, one of the things that is a little bit uh, interesting to hear at first is that homicide is not always illegal. Uh, homicide actually just means uh, when a, you kill a person. So for example, a soldier uh, commits homicide, uh, an executioner commits homicide, um, a person who uh, inadvertently crashes their car and uh, causes the death of someone else has committed vehicular homicide. Um, homicide just means that you cause the death of another person. Murder is the charge when you do it unlawfully. So murder is to unlawfully kill another person. Um, and then we have different levels of murder and there's different states that do different things. But I mean, um, but that is an inter that's a distinction we have. Manslaughter is usually means um, a lesser degree of murder. Manslaughter is usually a term that has, means um, um, you did not willfully cause the death of another person, but you, you're, you are culpable for it. Um, anyway, so I think that's just some fun vocabulary. We, we point that out because most of what we're going to talk about today um, is about intentionally causing the death of another person, um, either in, in these areas, in one of these various areas that we've talked about. So, uh, go ahead. What I think matters from that conversation, especially around homicide, is the reality that we do not have that language culturally. Um, we do not have specific language for talking about the different types of killing someone. And it turns out that, you know, um, SVU Law and Order has taught us all wrong. Who would have thought? <laughs> right. That, like, right. Homicide wasn't yeah. equal to murder. Like, right, right. Yeah. And then uh, uh, negligent homicide and reckless homicide are both terms that you use for different levels of culpability. So, um, for example, uh, a reckless homicide means you kill someone, you didn't intend to kill them, but your behavior was so um, outside of the norms that um, it still is treated as a higher level of, of murder. So, you know, if you, you know, shoot off a gun someplace and you don't look where you're shooting, Maybe you didn't intend to kill someone, but that, that's going to be treated at a higher level of uh, uh, culpability by the law. Mm -hmm. So, all right, well, let's talk then. Let's start off by talking about examples of where in the Bible it talks about um, killing and killing a human, and it gets into it right away in Genesis. And so, Abby, you want to talk a little bit about what we learned from the story of Cain and Abel? Yeah, so we have this story where... Um, the children, the sons of Adam and Eve, the first humans, after Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden, these children are born, and Cain kills Abel. And it's even this very sort of strange, like, Abel's sacrifice is good, Cain's isn't, one's acceptable to God. We don't really know why. Um, so I do think Cain gets a little which bit... One is grain, which one is grain and which one is the animal? Doesn't, uh... Abel brings the grain and Cain brings animals. But like in later law, both of them are completely acceptable. Right. Um, at least I think it's Cain and I think that's the right on the grain, but both of them are acceptable under the law. There's not a clear 
clearly this wasn't, this one should be. Right. And so Cain murders Abel, buries him, and then hears from God, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And so right. we get this story that is clearly murdering or killing his brother was wrong. Um, and I just kind of slipped into the word murder because that's how we talk about that. Um, right. As someone who- But there wasn't a law at the time, right? There wasn't a law. There, um, it's early enough. There's no giving of a law. Um, early enough that, you know, it leaves all those unanswered questions of like, how are there other people on the planet if people <laughs> right. were kicked out of the garden? So like all of this um, pre-flood, all of these ideological stories about how something came to be. And so in this ideological story um, that it, all of those Genesis 1 through 11 are explaining why the world is the way it is. And that's the fancy term is ideological. So we get in there the story of what presumably is a natural law that a brother killing his brother is wrong. And so then we get into the flood, right? And I guess we should say they did know good and evil, right? As we talked about, because mm -hmm. they've been kicked out of the garden. So they did have the knowledge of good and evil. Then we have the flood. Afterwards, God makes a covenant now with Noah in Genesis 9, which is kind of, when you look at Genesis 9, it's interesting. It has in there a commandment to um, populate the earth again, to be fruitful and multiply again. It's sort of, there's, there, Genesis 9 sort of does kind of read a little bit like a reset, you know, uh, in, in a lot of ways. Genesis 9 says it's okay to eat animals, but you just can't eat the life force, the blood. You're not allowed to eat the blood of animals. That has to be drained into the ground. Um, like sort of return, the source of the life force has to be returned to the earth. Um, but it contains this, the first sort of specific requirement, law, if you will, or covenant, if you will, about prohibiting killing. And it says this, uh, roughly, whoever sheds the blood of a human, by a human shall that person's blood be shed. For in his own image, God made humankind. So we have a couple things here early on. One, this applies to everyone, by the way. This isn't just a Hebrew law, according to the Hebrew scripture, but this is a law that would apply to all people. Everyone who's a child of Noah, which is all humans, right? Um, the other thing is, um, it gives the reason for it. It says, you, you're not going to kill humans because humans were made in the image of God. And so you shouldn't, so that human life is particularly special and should be preserved. Um, but then we kind of talked a little bit this in the prep. It does create a little process problem, right? Because it doesn't say God will kill them. It says, if you shed the blood of a human, then by a human shall your blood be shed, which means that human that sheds your blood will have shed the blood of a human. Right. And it seems and you had a term for this. Oh, I did. I, I said, you know, this might be where we go into some Calvinistic total depravity because yeah. if, if a human kills another human, then a human has to kill that human because they killed somebody, then you just end up with a system where everybody has blood on their hands. Presumably, eventually, everyone dies. And so it is total depravity comes in when the only way that system gets disrupted is by intervention from God. And oh. that is... That would make some Calvinists turn over and some, you know, be very happy. <laughs> kind of depends on it. But I do think that that is also somewhat about condition of humanity. That this speaks a truth that if humans start killing one another, then humans continue to kill one another. And it becomes this cycle that you can't break. And that speaks pretty well to our reality that once violence begins, it's really hard to stop any kind of cycle of violence. Right. Right. 
Um, and then we move on, and then we move on. Let's talk then about the Ten Commandments. Um, what's nice about this particular commandment we're dealing with is it seems to be the same in Exodus as it is in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is kind of a cliff notes, if you will. It's a repeat book. Um, it sort of adds and sort of accumulates uh, stuff from the uh, other uh, books in the uh, first few books. Um, but this time, in both cases, it says, and this is what we don't know. We talked a lot about this. It says, you know, you, sh you know, don't murder or don't kill, or you shall not murder or you shall not kill. So the don'ts or the you shall not or the thou shalt, those, that's just whatever, which form of English you want to use. But the, we really we really tried to dig in and see if we could find out kind of a primary source on is it kill or is it murder? And Abby, you were the one that had the Strong's uh, translation at your house or the dictionary. I, I had so my, I'm in my office. I, I came to the office today, so I'd have oh, right. okay. fancy books. Um, I actually pulled out my Brown Driver Briggs, my BDB um, Hebrew dictionary as I was looking at it. And it, it ends up with murder or slay is where it goes. It is a very, very old resource at this point, but um, it's still the one that most courses recommend. So can keep in line. I mean, the, the primary material is also pretty old. But yeah, you know, but the, the, the material to help you understand the primary material is also over a century old at this point. Right. So, okay. you know, so you have people, you know, when you translate the Bible, you're always coming from some vantage point. So that resource yeah. that says murder or slay and still names the ambiguity is coming out of a time when the accepted tradition was murder, that this was about yeah. murdering and capital punishment was expected. Um, and so you pick up a translation and that's actually a pretty good indication of how progressive or not your translation is. If it yeah. says, murder it's probably a little bit more conservative if it says murder with a footnote it's probably pretty middle of the road if it says kill it's probably a little bit more on the progressive end of things and that's yeah. not a hard and fast rule but there's also arguments to be made for each of those translations um yeah and it gave you a little bit of idea about where the word was used in other places too right like there was it some did. It gives all of the places that that version of that word is used and even slight variations on that. And that resource even will make a difference between to murder or to kill or to kill with intention or to kill with lack of intention. So even within that, you get some nuance, um, often from context clues that tell us more about what that might be. And so when you're working with translations, it's like, well, if it's used this way here, that's one piece of information for here. And yet it's very clear that the same word means with intent and without intent. I think one of the things that we can feel pretty confident about is that it probably doesn't mean kill just in general kill mm -hmm. um, because you certainly are okay to kill animals. Mm -hmm. Like in the same text, it like it requires you to kill animals in certain circumstances, right? So. Um, but I think, uh, but it is interesting then to talk about this idea of capital punishment. And maybe that's the next place to talk about. So, so in addition I also, to. I would also say that make that nuance of like, hey, killing animals is okay, um, but killing people. We also have the problem of in a pre-industrial society, accidental death is a lot harder. 
Uh-huh, like right. an accidental death on someone else like they're still you know hey my donkey ran over me or those kinds of accidents but you're not talking about like a car hitting someone or machinery right. although they do handle the ox the runaway ox that like mm-hmm. gore someone is specifically yeah. dealt with so evidently that happened enough they had to ride along yeah um which that brings us to everything we've been talking about so far has really felt like we're talking about individual interactions I think the 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 question of uh, the question of um, thou shalt not murder or kill may is hard. That's like interesting. Like where does that go from there? Mm-hmm. But you do have then now you have this really expansive list of capital crimes. Now, Abby, just because it's listed here as a capital crime, do we does that necessarily mean that was a law that was enforced in that way in real life during the time of the Israelites? No. Um, in fact, we have very much reason to believe that a lot of the laws were theoretical for at least big chunks of seasons because they were ruled by someone else the social laws probably were more enforced than the big ones so like there is no record of the year of jubilee for example that is which is it kind of is a it kind of sucks because as a progressives that's what we would love for that to be right everything returns to the original owner you 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 know mess with the rich but there yeah, is the idea that no, like not, not really yeah. right and that also is a good gauge that if you couldn't observe the law in a way for 70 years consistently within a culture then clearly these other things aren't always going to be true so nonetheless the list of capital punishment in the scripture is pretty massive so um um homicide where you intentionally kill and then also there's a couple of unintentional killings that 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 will result in uh, capital punishment um religious practices there's a whole list of religious practices that require capital punishment um sexual practices that go from everything from um rape to um a man having sex with another man um parental discipline so like talking back to your parents is if it's excessive that's got capital punishment um, and then there was even some contempt of court stuff. So, so there, we have this massive list of capital punishment. Um, stoning, I think, is the reference most often. I don't think that everything is necessarily a reference to stoning, but that is um, the method that seems to have been. So it was the, the, the um, society, if you will, the, the community carried out the, the punishment rather than an executioner with an ax, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a big thing that the the community does that is sanctioned killing. And then of course the other one is, is war. Um, um, the Bible is not shy about warfare. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read um, verbatim here, two verses um, out of Deuteronomy, because I think it's important for us to recognize what the, um, what the, the, our Bible has to say about this idea of sort of un, un uh, restricted warfare. All right, this is, uh, I think it's 20 verses 16 through 18. Um, but as for the towns of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, you must not let anything that breathes remain alive. You shall annihilate them, the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Just as the Lord your God has commanded, so they may not teach you to do abhorrent things that they do for their gods and thus sin against the Lord your God. So that listed a handful of peoples 
And it said that in those towns, you have to not let anything that breathes remain alive. So that would include animals, I would suppose. Mm -hmm. So we have this sort of absolute unrestricted warfare concept. Um, can we rectify that? <laughs> Frankly, either the capital punishment or the unrestricted warfare with the teaching in the Noahide covenant where it says, you can't kill another person because that person is made in the image of God. And again, that covenant applies to all people, not just Israelites. How, how do we make those, how do we rectify those two lessons? So um, I think there's, there's a couple things. One is um, when we read these scriptures now, we do not have the benefit of reading rabbinic teachings along with them. And we lose the benefit of many, many centuries of God's people trying to rectify, to, to put those things together and somehow come up with something. Um, we lose wisdom from that. We lose um, kind of that ongoing presence and discernment of community. I think the other part of that is we also, I think it's especially true that we never tell a single story of scripture when we tell hard stories. Um, so it, the two stories actually matter. Um, the story of the Noahic covenant saying, hey, you don't kill anyone because it's in, they're made in the image of God. Telling that right. alongside the story of capital punishment actually matters. Because yeah. if you have these two laws together, these two things coexisting to say natural law says don't do it and yet we're doing this, that, dis, that dissonance actually matters for moving forward. And so maybe you have one that's idealistic and one that's born out of experience but you still have the ideals set out um, that law. Well, and perhaps the fact that you, that law is, that war is called for mm -hmm. is an expression of brokenness. Right. Like, like that, 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 that's how you rectify it. Right. And if you're going into war, then maybe this law is actually born out of an experience of, we tried to kill minimally and do minimal damage and, um, what we found out is we lost more of our people that way. So this is the self-preservation, but we still yeah. tell the story that a brother killed a brother and that was terrible and messed with all of humanity forever. Right. And that's right. And, and we talked too about, you know, in our society, it, this isn't a unique distinction. The idea that you, that murder uh, as being, illegal for in, among between individuals is almost a universal law. In fact, I, I think it's, it's probably a good candidate for universal law. Not considering war murder is also pretty near universal. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the struggle with that, right? We've talked about how there are soldiers who come back from combat really messed up because they killed people and they don't, and their soul doesn't seem to care that it was sanctioned by a government. But at the same time, there are lots of other people who come back from war who are decent people and you say that's an okay person i don't he's not a he's not a, a monster but he killed these people and somehow the fact that it was okay by the sanction by the state is enough for that person's soul to live with that comfortably and um that's not an answer it's just it's just a, it just demonstrates that we don't necessarily fully understand what's happening in these situations right and i think this is where when we when we even talk about that the ways in which we ask people to kill other people matters um you know, I'm guessing that if 
you never see the faces of the people you kill, that is different than right. if you do. Um, my grandfather was an expert in hand-to-hand -hand combat in World War II, and he never got over that. Um, when he was dying, all of those memories of killing people with his bare hands haunted him as he was in this kind of morphine-induced delirium. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's its own, own bit of terrible. And so as much as we make that distinction, um, we still have plenty of personal experiences that are not, are not lived out of just because our culture says this is true, that doesn't make it true. Right. Um, I think the last point that we want to talk about today is um, how little help Jesus gives us on this topic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, capital punishment, Jesus has a great opportunity uh, in the Gospel of John to deal with capital punishment. We have a woman who's about to be stoned to death for adultery. Um, and um, Jesus comes up, he's, you know, they, they're about to do it, and uh, Jesus doesn't say, hey, she's made in the image of God, don't kill her. Mm -hmm. Instead, he says, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And then he starts writing in the ground. And then this like weird scene, like he like looks up, he's been writing for a while, he's not really paying attention. Turns out everybody's gone. And he tells her to go on about her business. Well, he's, a, he, he, he like fake, he's like fake surprised. Oh, is there no one left who is without sin? Right. Can kill? right. And um, she's like, nope. And he's like, well, all right, well, cut it out and go, you know, go and be better. Um, so he totally dodges the question about whether capital punishment is legit or not. Yeah. And Jesus dies by capital punishment. There's no word about that. We have, you know, in worship, we're reading through these post-resurrection experiences where Jesus comes back and feeds people. He breaks bread. He does all those things. Right. He never says, oh, and by the way, this was a really bad idea. And Jesus also doesn't say anything about war, really. Um, but Jesus was not in a position to talk about war. Jesus wasn't like Muhammad. He didn't have an army. He wasn't a ruler of a country. Um, but he was, he did talk about government a lot. He talked about how to treat the poor and the sick and the foreigner. Um, but he doesn't have much to say on this. And also, by the way, I think the uh, Sermon on the Mount doesn't help much. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, he just sort of takes for granted um, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He kind of takes for granted that, you know, murder is wrong, but then he just expands it, right? He just says, oh, you should be even, when you're limiting your response to violence, you should limit it even more. And right. when you're accessing your culpability for violence, you should expand the culpability. So not just when you kill someone, but also when you're mean to them or when you're uh, hateful. And there's even when Jesus commissions his disciples, he tells them to take swords with them one time. That's right. That's right. Like, the scene in the garden when he tells Peter to put away his sword, Peter has a sword. <laughs> That's like, right. That's like, right. He doesn't say, hey, both, where'd you get that? Right. Right. Like you and I both, we see the people like open carry in a gas station. We're like, what's up with that? Like yeah. his disciples are walking around with weapons. Yeah. So, so anyway, I mean, I think, I mean, that's a weird place to end, but I think it, it's, it is interesting that this is, this, this question is, um, is tricky to, uh, tricky to wrestle with. And, and maybe it's fair to say that the, the Bible, frankly, didn't develop a consistent response to the issues of murder and the issues of war and capital punishment and finding a consistent way um, that we could do that if we want to live into the kingdom. It's, it's maybe an un unanswered question. Yeah.
All right. Well, I think that does a good job of covering this. We're, I think we're going to try and put the video up as well, right? We are going to try. The, you know, we're zooming from separate places anyway. Um, yeah. And kind of like everything so, else we're doing during this time, we're, we're going for one level and we're hoping the next time it's a little bit better. So perfect. So yeah. All right. Well, so I hope this one came out. Uh, I hope this one came out well. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll, uh, if you're listening to it, you found it. And um, uh, until next time, cheers.